0: Hello out there, and welcome back to the GameCockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GameCockScoop.com on Rivals. Um, Currently, from now until the end of the weekend, or till like Tuesday or so, um, we are running a promotion where you can get free trial of premium all the way from now until fall camp on August 10th. Uh, So actually the first week or so of all camps included as well. Um, That's gocox24 whenever you sign up. um, Or if you check out our social media and stuff later today, we'll have a link to all that as well. But yeah, just go click on one of the premium articles. It'll say like, hey, you can't have access to this. Uh, You sign up, use promo code gocox24, and you'll have free access. So definitely take advantage of that. Um, For some reason, we're not live on Twitter, but we're live everywhere else and we'll post it to twitter later um all right let's talk a little bit of recruiting so we've kind of targeted for like months now uh this weekend uh june 23rd through 25th as like the big recruiting weekend of the summer we've already seen uh some of the other weekends pay off uh over the weekend over the weekend since we last talked talked fred uh jr johnson linebacker uh came live with his commitment um that was one that we were talking about last week a little bit uh but i couldn't give you full details obviously um that i think he's kind of a diamond in the rough sort of player so he posted some of his camp numbers um he's sitting at like six three two twenty five right now so good size um and he ran a four five forty. Uh, I assume that's laser timed or whatever they're using at camp. That's you know I think you can kind of trust that number. Um, earned an offer after being seen by the coaches, which is always a good sign that you know the person is uh, legit as well. And then, yeah, uh, committed pretty pretty soon thereafter. It won't surprise me if he ends up picking up more offers throughout his senior season. Um, but hopefully since South Carolina was one of the uh, first and, and the first SEC program, uh, they can kind of hold on to that guy. But, yeah, I think that that's diamond in the rough. You see on rivals, he's a three-star. He's like a 5.5 three-star. That's what the minimum rating is because, like I said, he hasn't camped at these places, um, hasn't really – been on the radar yet? Um, so it's very likely that that's going to move up too as more film comes out, more information comes forward. Um, this weekend, pretty much all of the 2024 commitments that were committed before the summer cycle are expected to be on campus. So you got Josiah Thompson, Cam Pringle, Mazio Bennett, Wendell Gregory, Kelvin Hunter, uh, Dante Reno, Blake Franks. You know, pretty much the entire class uh, up to this point should be on campus, and they are going to, one, just, you know, be continuing to build that camaraderie, um, which we've talked about being such an important element for holding on to guys, uh, for for helping uh, land some others. And they're also going to um, be really making a push for some of the biggest targets left in the 2024 class for South Carolina right now, including Dylan Stewart, who just got his fifth star from rivals last week. Um, that's the edge out of the D.C. area, still got that DMV connection, still feeling like uh, South Carolina, Georgia, a little bit Ohio State uh, are the, the big factors there. And then you got Daniel Hill, who is the running back, that's also being recruited by Alabama, so that's going to be another tough one, four-star running back, um, but obviously really good to get him on campus as well. Uh, also, one we haven't mentioned before, linebacker David... Busey or Bucky Busey uh, is expected to be on campus. Oh, and four star wide receiver, Jonathan Payler, who I still have a future cast in for South Carolina, but I do think NC state has made a move. So it's kind of coming at a good time to get him on campus at the end of summer uh, around all those guys spend some more time with your, your assumed uh, future quarterback, Dante Reno, with another wide receiver uh, that's elite, and Mazio Bennett. Also, if you haven't yet, uh, check out Gamecocks' uh, Twitter. I retweeted a video that Mazio Bennett um, posted, or you can just go to Mazio Bennett's uh, Twitter directly, but he's looking pretty good in in summer camp. I mean, obviously, uh, without pads and without all those things and you don't know what the level of competition is but um he caught this like little out route and then juke two guys uh, out of bounds and then went and scored and like a little seven on seven thing um which is always fun to see you know it's i don't know if any of you play like nfl fantasy football or whatever but um this this time of year you always get these like little clips where everyone looks amazing and yeah that was one of those uh sort of clips. Um, I'll have a lot more on the weekly recruiting wrap up tomorrow as far as previewing who's going to be here tomorrow or who's going to be here this weekend. Um, And then, like I said, we're doing that promo for this big official visit weekend. So go Cox 24 to get a free trial of Gamecock scoop premium for the rest of the summer, uh, all the way up until August 10th. So pretty good deal there. Um, Let's talk. NBA draft real quick. So tonight is uh, the NBA draft. Obviously, Gigi Jackson will be awaiting his name. I think uh, Alan's going to go check out the little viewing party that they have going on in one of the cockabooses for that. Um, Gigi Jackson opted not to go to New York for the actual draft. He's going to be in Columbia celebrating um, with people close to him there. We're expecting late first round, maybe early second round. Um, we'll have to kind of see how that plays out. And Alan actually just wrote a article on GameCoxCoop.com that you can check out. Uh, it's premium. so you sign go, up for premium. Go, yeah, it's going to say. Go use that promo code. Um, but yeah, so looking at South Carolina's draft history, which is kind of sparse. Yeah, what did you... Yeah. How, how, what's the impact, you think, if Gigi Jackson does end up going in the first round? And even if he doesn't, you know, is just someone that's drafted because there's not been a ton of uh, names on the list before. I think it's good for the program. Obviously, it doesn't
1: hurt. Um, it's something Lamont Paris can go to homes with, can sell with. Um, obviously, it's not as important as stacking good seasons and stacking wins and all of that. But I do think it's something that can help. And it's a nice little feather in the cap for the program because they have it. They haven't had anybody drafted since 2017, and they haven't had someone go in the first round since 2006. So if Gigi slides in there, that's a long time.
0: Yeah. Um, Is there a particular team that you think it would be fun to see Gigi Jackson play for? I mean, obviously, if you're getting drafted in that range, there's not a guarantee that you're immediately going to be a starter or whatever in the NBA, but um, anyone that you're kind of interested in? I just think he needs a good spot.
1: I think he needs a, he needs kind of the Patrick Mahomes treatment where he's kind of redshirted for a year in Kansas city. He's 18 years old. He's going to be the youngest player in the NBA when he gets drafted. He doesn't even turn 19 until December. I don't know if he's physically ready for the NBA, but I think you get him in the right organization, the right system, the right, put some muscle on everything you need for that. I think it can work really well. Um, I saw a scout just say high risk, high reward with GG, which is kind of, my read on it too that if you get this kid, this really special talent, and you figure it out and you just kind of let him grow. And, you know, until he's not an 18 year old kid playing professional basketball at the highest level in the world, you could have a future all star, a future really, really solid NBA player. And if you're in the wrong organization and they try to throw him into the Wolves at 18, that's going to go how it's going to go.
0: Yeah, he's, he definitely seems to have the most upside of the guys that you had on your list. I know you had like some Darius Thornwell. Ronaldo Balkman. Um, Ronaldo Balkman. And then um, one that wasn't on your list, but someone that had NBA potential, did kind of bounce around for a little bit. It was P.J. Dozier. Um, I don't think he got drafted. He was undrafted. No, I don't think he got drafted either, but he did. Yeah, end yeah up he, some He's still kicking. he had a 10-day contract somewhere last year. He's still kicking around. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Gigi Jackson probably has the biggest upside for, for all sure. those. Like he could become a future player on one of these teams if he continues to develop, fills out all those things. Um, But yeah, I do think landing spot very much matters there, which uh, have you looked at the draft order tonight? Is there anyone in that range? It actually that... like kind of breaks well if you're looking at that, just because late first round is
1: all the contenders, the playoff teams, the... The teams that maybe don't need them to play immediately i know that i mean you're colorado guy i know the nuggets have a pick back there having just won the title um that would be fun yeah i'm pulling it up now
0: yeah i'm i mean pretty much any yeah anyone that made the playoffs this past year you feel pretty good about from an organizational standpoint um and yeah just someone that's sees the potential and is going to have the patience there i do wonder if back you know when you when you submit your name and everything if you knew that you could skid as late as the second round is there any regret for not kind of sticking around for one more year and trying to improve that stock it seems like maybe you're frozen up so i will just talk uh myself here for a second um i mean i i think obviously the (laughs) um the Gamecock fan in us would rather have uh, <laughs> would rather have Gigi Jackson around for one more year, um, but we kind of knew going in that it was going to be a one-and-done sort of situation. And right, I'm going to try to get Alan added back on real quick. Sorry, everyone, for the delay on that. Uh, But that's pretty much all we had for the NBA draft. We are going to have some coverage from that draft event tonight and probably have a little short interview after he gets drafted uh, to share with you folks on GamecockScoop.com. The other thing we were going to get to was a little bit of baseball news. So as the season has ended, just like with the football season, there's been a little bit of shuffling around. Um, South Carolina has added several new uh, players from the transfer portal, including just yesterday, the uh, slugger Kennedy Jones out of UNC Greensboro. Um, they also have lost uh, one particularly big name in Michael Braswell out of the transfer portal. He went to LSU. Um, that might have been a little bit surprising, but we heard there's you know some NIL situations going on there. Uh, and, you know, good for him. Go get that and and we'll see. Although he did seem like he was kind of slated into that shortstop role for next season. Um, also, South Carolina's pitching coach uh, moved on, but very quickly was filled yesterday, picking up uh, Liberty coach Matt Williams. Um, we have an article on the front page of the site right now with some quotes from his opening press conference and basically, he said that he was going to have a very aggressive philosophy when it came uh, to pitching and that that had kind of served him well over the years leading up to this. So um, we'll have to see how that shakes out. But I, I think, you know, ultimately, yes, your pitching coach matters. Is it going to make or break uh, next season? no i do think that there's still come some concerns from a starter standpoint which we laid out pretty heavily last week on the podcast um but overall oh there's alan i have no idea what happened there you're all good just doing three minutes of ad-libbing there is that what that was yeah, I got into baseball a little bit. Um, okay. I was talking about your article on Matt Williams, new pitching coach. Uh, what was your takeaway from that interview yesterday?
1: Yeah, so I think the
0: takeaway there
1: is it's always a risk when you have a new pitching coach. It's something Mark Kingston's used to. This is his third one in four years after um, Skyler Mead took the Troy job and then Justin Parker took the Mississippi State pitching coach job. I think the, the stuff he kind of I kind of wrote about him attacking is very relevant. I think, obviously, that was a, a holdover from this staff last year with some the low walk rate with Justin Parker's guys. Dude wants to attack the zone. He wants to throw strikes. Um, I think you never know for sure, but the guy's got as much of a track record as he was as you would want coming from mid majors. He had couple of the best pitching staffs in Liberty's program history. They went to the tournament twice as a mid-major. He got UNC Wilmington to the tournament twice. That's a mid-major pitching staff. Um, it's always that risky run of the step up to SEC competition of a guy who's been in baseball a lot, but he hasn't been in this level of baseball. But I also think it's important to note that he's from South Carolina. He was at Spartanburg Methodist. He's recruited the state before at other jobs. He will recruit the state again. I think he's a very... He was talking about being coached by Monty Lee when he was at Spartanburg Methodist, like... He's a South Carolina baseball-type guy, and I think that that can't hurt to have on staff.
0: Definitely. The other thing I was talking about was kind of the transfer portal. Um, I believe you mentioned in our group chat that you actually think the offense could end up better after this uh, transfer period than it was this past season, but that we're still a little concerned about uh, who is going to be in that uh, bullpen and and, in that starting rotation for uh, Williams. Yeah, I
1: think just quickly on the offense, the one I really am interested in, I think a lot of people are taking notice of is Kennedy Jones. He's listed as an infielder outfielder, but on like UNC Greensboro's website, which is where he came from, but he says outfielder. So I guess we'll go with him as an outfielder. Either way, dude can hit, um, hit over 350 both years um, at a SoCon school. He's played the tournament. They were in a regional last year. He had, I think five hits and three RBIs in a weekend series at South Carolina last year. Um he was he did all that as a freshman in the sophomore, had 14 homers last year. Um, the stat I posted on my Twitter is he had at least one hit in 97 out of 116 games. Um, that's impressive at any level. Dude can hit. Um, and then you add that to a lineup. That's we've talked a lot about a, a home run or bus lineup, kind of what this line team was last year. Well, that's not what you have here. You've got a guy that hits for average, gets on base. I think is going to be near the top of that lineup, kind of set the table for Petri, Messina, Lee Croy. Yeah, i really like i really like how this offense is coming together i think the pitching question is still relevant um ty good i don't know if i caught you were you gonna say something
0: no you're good i i was just saying we kind of broke down a good bit of the pitching what like concerns but also the potential that we don't know a ton about yet uh like roman kimball um that we didn't see a ton this past year but yeah i'm i'm with you so what were you going to say about that good? I think that's a really interesting piece. The walk rate's high. There's no way around that. He walks too many guys. He, he did that, but also
1: a hundred and I had it open here. First, before we started 164 and two thirds innings in his college career. And in that time, 181 strikeouts, that's over a strikeout on in an inning and in almost 200 innings. Those guys don't grow on trees. Um, Colonial athletic conference pitcher of the year last year at college of Charleston, that's a really interesting piece to add to the staff and I think he's gonna have a ch- good a chance as anyone to be in the weekend rotation probably will be
0: yeah as you uh said the in in the article that you wrote uh he's seventh in College of Charleston history now uh in strikeouts per nine innings so um high upside sometimes if he doesn't have his stuff you might have to pull him I don't know if he slots into a starter spot or just like shake it shaking up the bullpen or what but um and i kind of think he's here
1: to start i don't think you're bringing you know, in an arm with that electric to relieve
0: i don't think yeah um i mean the only other thing i could think is he might make a good closer but maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't quite have the consistency of it but you like having um someone that can throw strikes like that whenever uh you're in that situation and then also virginia tech pitcher tyler dean mm-hmm. and garrett gainey from liberty have been added from the transfer portal so far um probably bullpen guys but again we'll we'll have to see how it it shakes out But
1: yeah i think i think the other thing with good too is innings um he's gone over 80 innings both of his college seasons he's a guy that can you can put on the mound he can eat five six innings or at least he could at the caa level there's going to be a jump of course but i think if you're starting to maybe try to piece together i think you've got four starting arms you feel decent about eli jones matthew becker roman kimball Ty Good. Some combination of those in an ideal world is your four starters in a given week with a weekend series in a midweek. Obviously, guys get hurt, guys move around, guys go up, they go down. But I kind of think that's how you piece it together now, sitting here on June 22nd. And you can do a lot worse than that.
0: Yeah, and we're still not fully done with this portal period. So right could still see some other names emerge. Uh, Who knows what sort of ties Matt Williams has. as he's coming in here is there anyone i mean i guess there's already a liberty pitcher added i don't know if there's Mm -hmm. anyone else that could potentially follow but um i haven't really looked into liberty's pitching staff that that deeply um but yeah so that'll, that'll be interesting to see obviously we will keep you updated on all those transfer portal happenings i did mention the Brasswell thing too i don't know if you had anything you wanted to add there um i basically just said you know like he was slotted in as a starter here. Uh, it sounded like there was some NIL package uh, at LSU that was particularly um, nice, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they wanted him. They went and got him, and that's the way it went. I mean, you got not, not that I'm implying that they went and got him and tampered or anything like that. Uh, but once he had made it known that he wanted. Through, through whatever channels that he wanted to go somewhere. Uh, you do have
1: one middle infielder in the portal right now. That is um, Zach Morris from VMI, another kind of contact hitter. He was one of their first portal gets back actually back when the season was still going in May. So I don't know if that's quite going to be a plug-and-play situation, but you do have at least one. I don't. You're not down a body. You're like-for-like like swap there in terms of middle infielders in the portal.
0: Yeah. Um, I did like Braswell. I like his energy. Uh, really good fielder up-and-down hitter, but was clutch in some key spots throughout the season. But uh, our understanding is it wasn't like South Carolina was trying to match the offer that was out no. there. So no. um, so take that for whatever you will. Um, Alright, let's talk a little football. So it's off-season time, which means there's tons of weird, fun things to get. I'm still waiting on that. Uh, quarterbacks in the SEC badminton tournament um, <laughs> article. Uh, but Right now, Steven Anderson on GameCockScooper.com is breaking down the top 15 wins of the Beamer era, which, if you are counting at home, yes, there are only them. 15 wins uh, of the Beamer era thus far. And the first five are kind of who you'd expect. Um, some of the FCS opponents, some of the close calls, some of the lower tier schools. I think it's gotten pretty interesting in the six through ten. I'm not going to spoil it. You can go read it. Um, but I thought you and I would try to guess, because he hasn't put out one through five yet, we would try to guess what number one is. And then we can talk about maybe some of the other possibilities. But what do you think number the number one most important win of the Beamer era thus far two years in is? I
1: it's this even a question. I think it kind of has to be 31-30, right? You go to Clemson, you end the streak, you win a rivalry game, you do it in dramatic fashion. Um, I think there's a very good debate to be had at two through five, which we're going to get to, but I think one's kind of a given.
0: Yeah, I I think that that was uh, pretty obviously the call. I mean, you could argue that the Tennessee one was better, uh, more surprising,
1: might have been more fun because you probably weren't stressed. The game was over early fourth quarter.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, you had some important prospects on campus, national TV, primetime game, uh, upset of the week. You know, uh, so kind of set that off. But I, th- I think you have to go Clemson. Although I think Tennessee is obviously right there in contention. I think it's two year. as well. I think it's
1: two as well. Um, I put it there. Uh, it's back to back weeks. It's kind of the two weeks you're looking at for optimism for what you're most excited about for going into this next season. Um, That eight day period where you knock off two top 10 teams is pretty hard to match.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just remember us being on the podcast before the Tennessee game and just being like, well, uh, maybe they are somehow going to make a bowl, (laughs) you know, like we were right. Cause like if,
1: if you're ranking the worst losses, the Beamer era, which I don't think we want to do the week before Tennessee, that Florida game, I mean, back
0: to back with the Missouri game too. Those were both really bad losses. I don't know if that's—I don't know if Florida's won, but it's definitely like in the top three. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So um, that's—it's uh, kind of amazing how many like when when I'm thinking about all these wins, it's kind of amazing how many times there's been a complete surprise win that kind of turned the season so far. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that says, you know, like um, I did see like some national pundit somewhere was saying that uh, the Beamer era is pretty overrated because it's been so up and down. Um, but I also think you have to factor in who your offensive coordinator was the past two years and how up and down he was. I think you have to factor in injuries. I think you have to factor in a lot of things there. Um, I think, frankly, it's been impressive uh, that you have won as many games as you have uh given what was here now i think you're starting to get to the point where you have some stability and can start to build on that stability but um what's your three It's kind of
1: going off some of those highs i think we got the top two most people's top two i think you get a split with three maybe
0: yeah it starts to get interesting in fact when i was reading his six through ten there was a couple that i thought uh were arguable uh, for the number three. There's the Auburn game from year one, and there's the UNC game from year one, uh, both of which I think could have an argument made uh, that they could be in the top five just because of um, what your roster looked like and and the momentum that you needed to seize in those moments. Uh, But I still think you got to make the argument for Kentucky this past year and Texas A&M this past year. You finally get both of those Losing streaks off your back. You beat Texas A&M for the first time ever. Uh, you beat Kentucky, who for the longest time you were clearly above in the SEC East and they had kind of owned you uh, lately off your back. So, I mean, I think that those are both pretty important, especially as you're moving forward and trying to solidify yourself in the upper echelon of the SEC. I think Kentucky just just that for me because it was on the road, and that was just something that had not
1: happened in the Beamer era. They were terrible on the road in 21, as we've documented. They go to Arkansas early in 22. Um, they don't get flattened, but they didn't play particularly well. And you're still having that whole, like, can they win a road game? Can they go into an SEC stadium and win? And you got a break with Will Levis not playing, but you still have to take advantage of that. And they played really well that night, or at least well enough to win. I shouldn't say really well. And then probably a yeah. is my four.
0: Well, I mean, as many, as many sacks as Will Levis took this season, I think it, it, the result probably would have been the same. Um, that was one of the, the most dominant performances by the front seven of South Carolina. uh Clown probably. It, yeah, yeah. yeah well, or Beamer era, for sure. Um, but yeah, probably the most uh, of the Beamer era. So. Probably would have turned out the same. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think that that's there. And then what What are we missing? Florida, year that one. That's, yeah. what's,
1: that's what else
0: is from his list.
1: And that's a fun one. You're down to a fourth-string quarterback. It's a night game at Willie B. Dan Mullen's kind of on the ropes, and you kind of deal him close to a knockout punch. And it was just – I think they were like a 16, 17-point underdog, and you win the game by 23, I think. Like 40 to 17.
0: Yeah, definitely. So my question with those 15 wins, um, and we don't have to talk about this for super long, but you're kind of statistically wins losses wise in pretty much the same place that you were after year two of Will Muschamp. Um, you kind of overachieved when a Outback Bowl to get to nine wins, I believe, after that second year or 17. The third year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, the wheels kind of fell off, uh, although he had built up enough credibility, I guess, through that group, that good start um, and through some recruiting wins that you still felt some positive momentum, uh, even with the down year uh, in 2018. What do you think the wheels falling off in 2023 looks like? We've talked a little bit about the schedule already. Um, I mean, as long as you make a bowl, are you feeling kind of all right? Obviously, that's going to be a little disappointing coming off of the momentum of the last couple seasons, coming off of some of the people that you've added, coming off of Spencer Rattler trying to fight his that's way the- into an NFL draft position. Um, I do think, yeah, more than anything, that hurts your potential to to get another quarterback like that in the transfer portal immediately or something because, obviously... If he if you if you only win six games, that means he probably didn't have the best season, which means the whole experiment, I guess, didn't work out super well. But we've talked before; you have a pretty deep quarterback room. You got more people coming in. Um, but yeah, what does what does that look like this season? What do you think is the bottom expectation? I guess
1: I'll be honest. I think if you're going to use the wheels falling off metric or whatever. I think it probably involves a Spencer Rattler injury, right? I mean, you feel good about this team's floor if Rattler's healthy, don't you? If at least, like at least six wins with a healthy Spencer Rattler when you bake in. I think to me, Wheels falling off is you don't have those same highs so much and you just kind of feed off your schedule. You know what I mean? It's like six and six, you don't feel terrible. But if that's six and six with wins over Furman, Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, a bad Florida team, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's kind of depends on which six, although I do still think six is probably the floor
0: as long as Spencer's healthy. I tend to think that's, that's true as well. I also think maybe culturally um, because you've been riding a lot of momentum. It seems like the culture's going up and up and up Um, recruiting. All we hear is up and up and up um if you get a couple of bad wins that you don't bounce back from um which hasn't happened so far in in the beamer era there's always been a counterpunch um then i think maybe some of that culture starts to feel a little shaky uh because yeah the whole mark stoops thing um last summer i believe it was whenever Mm -hmm. he was like you, you know dancing around on social media or whatever it was um. There's a little bit of truth there if you don't have the wins to back it up. As long as everyone's feeling good, as long as you're landing some big-time recruits, as long as you're upsetting opponents and, and kind of continuing this upward trajectory, I think uh, you feel great uh, about all that. And it's you can kind of get behind your coach and your culture and all those things. And that, that just, like, feeds into it. Um, but I do wonder if some of that starts to have a counter current uh, if you start to string together some losses that you shouldn't, and and that sort of thing, but I mean that's a that's a huge but, and I think most of the most South Carolina fans are more excited than they've been in a long time, yeah, and are having fun with it in a way that they haven't been able to in a long time.
1: That I, I keep saying it. We're going to say it fifty more times over the next what? Are, what's the countdown at now? Seventy-two days, I believe. That is just such a big week one game for your momentum, for your positivity, for what that game is going to mean to South Carolina fans. You know they're going to pack that place out for what getting a a win in week one for Dowell Loggins would mean and kind of the way the offense could look against the shaky UNC defense. I think, I don't want to say the biggest game of the seasons in week one, that might be hyperbole, but it kind of feels that way sitting here in June.
0: I definitely think it is the difference between you having an exceptional season and having an average season. Yeah. Uh, I don't see a path. I mean, again, we were talking before we got on here, though, right? You you come off a, a loss, the two worst losses of the season last year versus Missouri and Florida, and then you bounce back and knock off Tennessee and Clemson, which no one was expecting. Um, so, yeah, I, it's hard to say completely that if you lose the North Carolina game, the season's shot. No, season's uh, not
1: over. I, I, I'm not so much implying that as I think – just kind of what you would feel, what you feel like you can talk about, what you can dream about is different. With a one and zero against a quality opponent, there.
0: Oh, definitely, and I think you win there, and you you win your gimmies. You have a very interesting matchup with Georgia. I think you're still obviously there's still a huge talent gap there, Um, but from a momentum standpoint, you go into Sanford Stadium. You're ranked. You're three and zero two georgia you you got firm in week yeah. two then georgia you're two and oh you have a win over a ranked opponent um yeah i mean it's it's at least interesting you're gonna have some national attention on that game uh, for sure in, in Major League, so all right any other football stuff that you wanted to talk about no. we got all all off season to continue to hype up week one space yeah, yeah. um in a few weeks, we do have SEC Media Days coming, which we'll have full coverage for. Uh, Alan will be there for the the days that South Carolina are featured. Um, we have plenty of recruiting news. We have more fun off-season topics. So, like I said, now's the best time that you can join for free from now until uh, August 10th, but you have to sign up this weekend. So go to gamecockscoop.com, uh, sign up for premium, use Go cox 24 that's all uppercase, uh, as the promo code, and you'll get free access until mid August. And we'll throw up some links for that uh, in the show notes and in social media and stuff as well. Uh, in the meantime, we'll be back here next week to talk the big official visit weekend uh, this weekend, talk where Gigi Jackson ended up, maybe speculate on how that's going to work out a little bit, and have some more offseason football talk for you. Uh, this has been the GameCoxGroup.com dot com podcast. We'll see you.